Hey, before we jump right in, um, just wanted to remind everyone that uh, this coming Wednesday, we're having our, our festival, Harvest Festival, um, and make sure, make, this is a great opportunity. I mean, probably the, the best opportunity all year that we have for inviting people from our neighborhoods, friends, all that kind of thing, because it's, uh, Kim, are you going to come up and share? Oh, no, you're fine. Kim's going to come and share about that right now. I, I didn't see you, so I was going <laughs> to... children. I love them to death. Um, so because I love them to death, we planned the coolest party ever. I already said that. You did? Okay, sorry. Okay, I'm, just, so, I'm, just party. I'm just kidding. Here's what we have. <laughs> stuff you don't want to miss, okay? Something for the whole family. We'll start from the youngest, our infant toddler zone. Big bales of hay, enclosed area, so your children can be in there and run around, get some energy out. You can sit on the bales of hay and still see them and have a conversation, which you probably don't get to have if you have an infant or a toddler. Uh, with other adults. Also, we have a preschool inflatable to get all the energy out for the preschoolers, which would be very fun. Um, we have for uh, children of all ages, really, a apple cider press. If you have never uh, made apple cider fresh, you're going to want to do this. It's so delicious. So all the instructions are on that little uh, paper that I either got in your bulletin or you can stop by the Children's Ministry Welcome Desk and there's a thing there. Bring a five-pound bag of apples, half jug, and you'll get some fresh apple cider. For those animal lovers out there, we have alpacas who are coming. Very excited about that. With a a wool spinning demonstration. Bet you've never seen that. It's pretty cool. Uh, We have a, the firehouse is coming, uh, which is like a a simulation. uh, If you're going to be in a house with a fire, it helps the kids get out and kind of trains them on that kind of stuff. It's just going to be so much fun. So you're not going to want to miss it. If you've been wanting to invite your friends, I think I heard you say that. Yes. Um, This is the perfect event to invite your friends and neighbors to. Um, it's got something literally for everybody. If you are running late from work and don't get dinner on the table, it may not be the most, you know, healthy thing, but we do have hot dogs and chips for a dollar. So yeah. it's affordable and you can definitely do it. Uh, I think that's it. Wednesday, six to eight here at Grace Chapel. You don't want to miss it. All right. Some of you thinking, hey, you don't look too tan after being in Hawaii. Well, I spent almost the entire time going from the hotel to the conference center. Um, so that's basically what I did for the entire time. I didn't really get out. I took a camera. I never took one picture. Um, went back and forth to a hotel conference center. But I'm going to tell you, and I won't do it this morning, but the, the, the opportunity to speak there and to connect with the people that we connected with, um, just incredible, incredible. Uh, it's really neat to, when you speak at a conference and you're talking about some of the things that your church is doing, especially in the marketplace ministry area with our business trees and what we're doing in Nigeria and different places around the world, um, the feedback that you get, the uniqueness of what we're accomplishing here at Grace Chapel comes to the forefront when you're at a conference where everybody's doing that kind of thing. Um, but the uniqueness of which we're doing, which is the business trees here and then investing in developing countries and starting business trees there, which fund initiatives they can't fund themselves and the well drilling. It was neat to be uh, at a place where people from all over the world. Hey, I, I have now if I want to go to Australia, got a great place to have friends in Australia, Hong Kong, uh, Ireland. These people are like, come on, speak it, come to speak at our church. So I have a chance. To, I'm not going to go at this point because we have too many things to do here. But uh, if we ever want to do to go have like a trip like a mission trip or something to Australia, um, you know, we can, we have a place to stay. So it was, it was just wonderful. Last thing here too. Uh, the building is almost finished. The, the flooring is here. 
um, for the, uh, the back of the Grace Impact Center. The turf floor is here. The nets are all here. We're waiting for Mason to kind of give us a, a go-ahead on putting some of those things down. We're, we're still a little tight here at the end because we have to keep moving forward. You know, when the electrician comes in, has to hook up certain things you didn't expect. It's a little overrun. So please remember that in your giving. That's all I need to say. Um, but uh, things are coming together, and we're going to have that done next, hopefully, God's will uh, and Mason's okay. Uh, we'll have it done in the next month or so. It's really exciting, really exciting. All right. Um, if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 46 to 52. But before I do that, um, it just came from a conference where when you speak at these conferences, there's a lot of charismatic people at, at this conference, and uh, which is really neat, uh, seeing different people in different backgrounds, church backgrounds. But one of the things they do is when, when you're speaking, they like to respond to you a lot. Uh, which is great. I, I really enjoy that. But uh, some of the things we do here at Grace Chapel, one of the things we do here at Grace Chapel is I say, get it, and you say, see, that, some of you have not been a part of this, all right? I say, get it, you say, and I say, good. But you have to, this needs to be enthusiasm. Okay, I had six-hour jet lag here, and I'm excited. So I need some excitement here this morning. Get it? Good. All right, we're in Mark chapter 10. Jesus helped me understand miracles. We're in verses 46 through 52. So I'm going to read that to you. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you, throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. You know, I think we can all relate to this story, even if on different levels, because we all have challenges that we face in life that we trust God for. We depend on God to help us to help us out with, really. If you think about it, all of us have some type of obstacle that we need to overcome some 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 type of disadvantage that that is standing in our way, whether it's a physical disadvantage, an emotional disadvantage or a spiritual disadvantage. We have those in our lives. And so I think, on a, on, on, like I said, on some levels, we can all relate to Bartimaeus. God does not always remove, and this is a little different, but, this is, but we're still talking about healing here. God doesn't always remove the struggle from our lives. What God sometimes does is he gives us the ability to overcome that struggle so that we can fulfill what he's called us to do. He doesn't, always, he doesn't always just take it out of our lives, but what he does is he gives us the strength and the ability to overcome whatever roadblock it may be in our lives to fulfill the purpose for which he created us. Now, before we move on, I want to look at the, the context of this passage. First, this story is, is set uh, in Jesus, his last days of ministry. So it's set in that context. Jesus is talking about divorce. And, and Jesus is, is talking about uh, having the little children coming to him. He's, he's, he's ministering to the little children and he's saying that we need to have faith like these children. He tells the rich young man to sell all his possessions if he wants to 
follow him and inherit eternal life. He says that serving makes you first in the kingdom of God. He says that all things are possible with God, that we can do all things through our God. So he's laying all that out. And then they come to Jericho where he meets a man named Bartimaeus. You're going to like Bartimaeus by the time this is over. Bartimaeus. Now, when you study the Bible, it's good to, to get a history of the words that you're looking at sometimes. It gives you a, a broader perspective. So we're going to look at these words, this history. It's called etymology. And it gives us, again, a broader base, a better understanding as we, as we walk through these verses. The history of the word Jericho means cursed, cursed. When, when Joshua uh, defeated Jericho, he basically said, this is a cursed land. He, he said, anyone who tries to rebuild Jericho is cursed. And so in this context, you have this land that Bartimaeus is living in that was in a cursed place. It was cursed. Okay. So Jesus went to this cursed city. Doesn't it, isn't it amazing how when you read about Christ, how he's always hanging around with the wrong people, you know, <laughs> He's always hanging around with the wrong people, always going to the wrong side of town. He went to every part of town, but he seems to go to the wrong side of town and hang out with the wrong people. He's in the wrong place, you know, places that most people would just try to avoid. Now, can you all imagine then living in a place that was basically cursed? All right, now you're living in this place and you're, you're, you're hanging around and Jesus went there and as he was leaving, he was going to, to Jericho. As he's leaving, he meets this man called Bartimaeus. Now, if you continue your word study, you'll find that bar is a Greek prefix for son of. Okay, so it's son of Timaeus. So Bartimaeus wasn't really his name. It's basically, it's an identification with his family. Bar, son of, so son of Timaeus. Okay, so we have this son of Timaeus. Timaeus is his father's name. So, so now, every one of you who thinks, as we move along here, every one of you is thinking to yourself, man, I'll tell you what, I, my family's messed up. I come from a messed up family. The reason I can't succeed in life is because my family's just messed up. You, sh- you should see my background. You should know my family. I'm telling you, I have, some, I have like the, 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 the Adams family or whatever. When you come for, for, for Thanksgiving or Christmas, it's scary. I wouldn't invite anyone over because it's scary for me to be there. So here's my background. And you think that's the reason I'm not able to achieve what God has for me because I come from a messed up family. So you're talking now. All right, now check this out. The word Timaeus, okay, so it's Bartimaeus, okay? But the word Timaeus basically means corrupt, dirty, polluted, and filthy, okay? So you're the son of the filthy man. You're the son of the corrupt man. Think about that. That's your name, son of. Interesting thing here, um, in Nigeria, the villages we work with in Nigeria, we're drilling a lot of the wells. Yeah, this well drilling going on. Many of the village name their children negative names, you know, th- th- names like, you know, this person won't live very long. And that's what it means. Or, you know, this, uh, this person who is uh, anything that's kind of negative in, in, the, in the meaning of the word. And they do that because of the situation they're in. They're hopeless sometimes. There's no fresh water. There's not enough food. Um, people are dying in the village. And so when someone's born, they kind of name them along those lines. Here's what's really cool is that people in the villages we're working with, for example, the, the, the chief told us that um, cholera, uh, you know, that every year it's kind of you're waiting for the flu season. Well, 
in, in Nigeria, in some of the villages, they're waiting for the cholera season or they're waiting for the, the death season where people, small children, older people, even some younger people, sometimes they just die because they get cholera, they get yellow fever. And the really exciting thing is that this, this past season, cholera did not even come. It was like flu season, flu season came and no one got sick. And so now people are starting to name their kids positive things, you know. You know, God is, you know, exciting. And whatever the positive names would be for a child, you know, God is wonderful and God is this. And that's what they're naming their children because God has transforming their area and God is transforming their lives. So we got Timaeus here, which means corrupt and dirty and polluted and filthy. And, and uh, Bartimaeus means the son of the filthy man, the son of the corrupt man. So he comes from a messed up family, strike one, right? He comes from a, a messed up place, strike two. And then we find out that, you know, we know that we find out that he's blind. So Bartimaeus is blind, strike three. Your family's messed up. The place you you live on the wrong side of the tracks and you're blind. Strike one, strike two, strike three. And that's not bad enough. You're walking back to the dugout and a ball hits you. You get a foul ball hit in the back of the head while you're going to the dugout because he was a beggar. We find out he was a beggar and he had to live off the, the kindness of other people. So he's a blind beggar coming from, the, you know, the son of a cursed man, the son of a filthy man, and he lives in a place that's cursed um you know basically stop whining about your background because poor bartimaeus here he's got all kinds of strikes against him i know most of you can relate i think most of us really can relate to this this story of bartimaeus because you know you may not be able to say uh, all right well you know gosh my my family name is you know son of a, the the dirty cursed you know whatever polluted person but we all face our own challenges we all have our own difficulties. We all, we all face our own problems, our own handicaps, if you will. You know, we all, we all go through that. We all understand what it's like to, to face some of the challenges of life. And one of the things I want to tell you this morning is that God, as we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus can help us conquer our handicaps. He can help us defeat our difficulties. He can help us, he can help us to, to master our, 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 our challenges and master our misfortunes. He helps us in all those areas. So as you're going through a difficulty, you have to understand that as Christ is in our lives, he can help us overcome the challenges that we face in life. We can master our misfortunes. Get it? Oh, no way. There's just no way. That's sliding. Okay. Get it? Good. He can do that for you. I don't care where you are in your life, what age. God can help you overcome the struggles you're facing. We got a man here, Bartimaeus. Look at all. Look at all things. He's blind. He's a beggar. He comes from a cursed place. His family's all messed up. He's got a terrible background. So let me share three truths that will allow us to heal our handicaps. Okay. Three things. Three areas. Three truths that will allow us to heal our handicaps. The first comes from verse 47. And basically what verse 47 to me is saying is focus on your strengths, not your weaknesses. Focus on your strengths. Focus on your abilities. We often, we often can overcome our struggles if we focus on the strengths that God has given us. If that's where we can put our sight, if we can focus our sight on our strengths. But what we do sometimes, we focus on our weaknesses. 
We go through life and, you know, it's not turned out the way we want it to. We don't have the kind of gifts and abilities that we would like to have. You're not like your mom in some areas. You're not like your dad in some areas. And people are expecting you to walk in their footsteps, but you kind of, you're not really able to do that. And so you're focusing on your weaknesses instead of on your strengths. Bartimaeus didn't do that. Look what it says in verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, that's boy. Oh, woo, that's powerful. You know, got it. You know what I mean? Um, you're, you're kind of, but listen, let's read it again. This is what it says. When he heard, the guy was blind, but he wasn't deaf. When he heard, when he heard, he was focusing. Focus on your strengths. You can spend all of your time moaning and complaining about being blind and just ignore the fact that you can hear. You can focus all of your attention of complaining about why you are so, you're weak in this area and you're weak in that area. You need this and you don't have that. Instead of focusing on what you do have, on what God has given you. You know, a few years ago, I was, I was, um, I was in, a, in a singles uh, ministry. My wife and I, Debbie, she wrote, we, we led a singles ministry. And it was a large singles ministry. And in that ministry, there was a young lady. She's probably in her mid to mid thirties or so. And she was, she was going blind. Her mother had gone blind. It was just a, a, some kind of deal with her eyes and she was slowly going blind. And so in this group, there was different people from different backgrounds. And the people would say to her, so one group of people would say to her, um, you know, your only hope is that God will physically heal you and you need to claim your healing and you can have your healing. But your only hope through all this is that God is going to physically heal you. And I say to that, that is ridiculous. no, Absolutely not. Healing is often seeing the opportunity in the challenge. Healing that God gives us is often seeing the opportunity in the challenge. It's not shrinking back. This is what this woman had, this is what she did. She's going slowly blind. But the way she handled herself was with so much grace and integrity. She, she gave God the glory. She told stories of what God was doing in her life and how, he was, how she was using her other senses and how God was making those more attuned and how she, was, um, how she was going through the difficulties, but how God was giving her peace and he was giving her joy. And people on the outside are watching a person go blind and glorifying God through her life. It transformed the group as people watched her with the way she walked through that difficulty. She took a difficult opportunity and she gave God the glory. More people were changed. More lives were transformed by watching a person walk through a difficulty with that much strength and integrity and peace and joy than if somehow the doctors were able to blah, 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 and she didn't go blind. It was incredible the way God used her. Healing comes in different forms. And it is not always that you get physically healed. God can be glorified. Don't ever tell someone that somehow if they didn't get healed, it's their fault. God can do amazing things. Paul, I'll give you an example. Paul has a thorn in his side. He says, Lord, Lord, take this away from me. My grace is sufficient for you, is his answer. God uses the struggles and difficulties in our lives if we just give it over to him. If we glorify him through it, people's lives can be transformed. We give up so quickly. We whine and complain about what we don't have. We, 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 we make excuses for why we're not successful. We, we, we can talk about who or what is holding us back 
or we can focus our attention on what God is doing in our lives through our difficulties. And as Americans, sometimes I really think that we miss out because we're talking about we, we, now, I love America and I, I love I love all of I love us and everything as a culture. But we're being a little whiny sometimes we're getting a little a little soft around the edges in some areas. Something goes wrong and we're not we're not able to take take the bull by the horns and stand up sometimes. And, and as Christians, especially say to God, God, use this difficulty in my life to glorify yourself just because you don't get healed doesn't mean God is not working in your life. Some of the most amazing people I've ever met, the most faithful people I've ever met in my life died of cancer. I pray with all my heart, had all the faith in the world. They had more faith than I had. They looked me right in the eye and they said to me, one of them said to me, Alan Ewing, Beth Ewing, who came and spoke this summer, her father looked me right in the eye after I said, God, I have prayed and God is going to have a healing for your life. And he said to me, Jeff, you know what? I appreciate that. But he goes, you know what? I'm not sure what healing is anymore. Is healing that I remain here or is ultimate healing that I go and be with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I'll beat you there, basically. The faith that that man had, the life that man lived, the influence that he had on my life and the lives of so many others. God can use the challenges we face in our lives if we just turn it over to him and allow him the, the, the opportunity to move through us. You know, it's a fact that when, for example, when you're missing one sense, the others become more heightened to balance it out. They, they, end, up balancing that, they end up balancing that out. You know, Bartimaeus may have been blind, but he could, he could hear really great. What I'm, what I'm saying is this. If you're weak in one area of your life, allow God to show you the strengths in the other area. If you're falling down in one area, if you just, don't, if you just can't measure up in that one area of your life, God will give you a different area of your life to, to strengthen you. He gives us different strengths and abilities depending on where he needs us at different times in our lives. So what we need to do is we need to celebrate. We need to focus on the strengths, not focus on our weaknesses. Let me explain something to younger ones especially. Every successful person you'll ever meet in your entire life realizes something. They accentuate their strengths, okay? They They find out what they're good at. They take their strengths, their abilities, their giftedness, whatever it is. They accentuate those things in their lives. And they surround themselves with people who are better than they are at other things. That's success. Simple as that. No one can do everything great. So you find people who are around you who are better than other, at other things than you are. And you take your strengths and you accentuate your strengths. And that's what Bartimaeus did. He took what he had and he accentuated what he had. He accentuated his strengths. Get it? Good. All right. Now, not only could he hear, but our man Bartimaeus, he could speak and he was bold. Okay? He could hear and he could speak. So he's speaking out. And as he's speaking out, they're telling him, hey, Bartimaeus, be quiet. In other words, shut up, Bartimaeus. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. I'm trying to get Jesus' attention. And you're yammering on. He's like, Bartimaeus, be quiet. Just be quiet. Sit back like you always do and, and, and just stop, you know, stop yelling. 
But Bartimaeus kept yelling. Bartimaeus kept on yelling. His handicap was not going to stop him from fulfilling his goal. He wanted to interact with Jesus Christ. He wanted a different life. He wanted to be used of God. And he wasn't going to allow anyone to stop him from crying out. That was his goal. And he received a miracle. Bartimaeus received a miracle because of his faith, because he stepped out. One of the biggest problems that we have today is that we are not risk takers. We are not risk takers. We don't step out. Listen, Bartimaeus' circumstances were grim. He was poor. He was, a, he was a poor beggar. He was blind from the wrong side of the tracks. And he had a crummy family. But instead of focusing on all those things, he focuses on what God is doing for him. And he's, and he's not thinking to himself, you know, what happens in these situations is you think, you know what? Oh, what's the difference? My life never turns out the way I want it to. My family, I grew up in the wrong family. And these, this stinks and that stinks. And life is not the way I want it to be. And I got dealt the wrong hand. And I don't have what other people have and instead of doing all that Bartimaeus cries out Jesus son of David have mercy on me he's not thinking of what he doesn't have he's focusing on what he would he wants in his life he wants Jesus to come and heal him he wants a different life so he's he's not sitting but he's not sitting back he's risking it they're telling him Bartimaeus shut your mouth man sit back stop yelling the rest of us can't get Jesus attention You know, we need to keep in mind that he was blind again. But the only the only way, so the only way he could really truly get Jesus' attention is to use the other areas of his life that 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 he that he can accentuate. So Jesus notices him. Bartimaeus calls out and Jesus notices him. You know what I'm trying to say is that whenever you want something from the Lord. You've got to be persistent. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be relentless. Whenever you want something from God, you know you have a vision that God has put in your heart and you want God to hear you. You're not, you need to be consistent. You need to be persistent. You need to be relentless. You keep asking. You keep calling out. That's what he did. That's what he did. If you want to overcome your handicaps and your hang-ups and your habits and your hurts, if you want to overcome those things, the first thing you need to do, my friends, is focus in on your strengths. Focus in on what you do have. Accentuate those things. Cry out to God with what he has given you and watch him give you even more. You need to take what you have been given and you need to make some spiritual noise with it. Do you understand You need to take what you've been given, not worry about what you've not been given. Take what you have. What is it that you have right now? And no one should be sitting here saying, I don't have anything. Maybe the reason you think you don't have anything is you're comparing yourself to someone else. I wish I was more like so-and-so. It doesn't matter what so-and-so has. Bartimaeus, blind, poor, wrong side of the tracks, bad family. He's got nothing going on. He's over in the corner and he's yelling out. What he's trying to do is make some spiritual noise with what he has been given. You need to make spiritual noise with what you have been given. And stop worrying about what you do not have and start worrying about what you do have and making spiritual noise with what you do have. The second truth to overcome overcoming is found in verses 48 and 49. I call it ignoring the peanut gallery. Okay? Those negative voices. 
those negative voices, the negative voices of other people. In verse 48, it tells us that they told him, I said this already, but to, to really just to be quiet. They said, just shut up, Bartimaeus. Just, just be quiet. But listen, if you want to get something from God, if you want to achieve great things for God, you have got to learn to overcome the voices, those negative voices that will constantly be there. You need to tune them out. You need to turn them off. If you can't do that, you're not going to achieve what God has for you in your life. You need to tune those voices out. You need to turn those voices off or you're not going to fulfill the purpose for which God has created you because they're always going to be there always going to be there Bartimaeus if Bartimaeus would have listened to the crowd right if he would have listened to the peanut gallery the guy would still be blind Jesus son of Nazareth you know have mercy on hey Bartimaeus shut up just shut up when he's gone we're going to slap you around you keep talking you know Bartimaeus you're blind buddy I mean we give you some here's some some you know some money uh just let, let let us talk to Jesus Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I just, you know, I just felt like, you know, maybe he could, you know. And that's what Bartimaeus' attitude, you know, well, I don't really have anything going for me. I'm blind. I'm just kind of sitting here or whatever else. And he'd still be blind. He'd still be blind. Almost every great invention in the history of the world, okay, had people criticizing the person inventing it. Almost every organization ever started in the history of this planet had people criticizing the person who believed they should start the organization, whether it's a church, well, for, for me, honestly, back-to-back, SSC, you know, the Grace Chapel, all, when we started Grace Chapel, when we were going to buy this property, oh, my goodness, people laughed at me. They laughed at us for buying the property. What are you going to do with all those big old ugly buildings? What are you going to do with all that? We're going to transform lives with those big ugly buildings. That's what we're going to do. We're going to see 800, maybe 1,000 people a week coming to this campus where we can invest in the lives of people and see transformation happening in the lives of people in our community. That's what we're going to do with those buildings. You're always going to have the peanut gallery telling you why you shouldn't do something, why you should just stop, why you should keep your things to yourself. And then listen to what it says. It says, and, note, it says, and, and many warned him to be quiet. What this suggests here is that it was not only the, you know, the people in the crowd, it was, it was the disciples. There's a good chance that it was disciples. And you say, why would the disciples do that? Well, the same reason they told the children. When the children were coming unto Jesus, what did they do? Hey, kids, you know, hop on his lap. This is great. No, they said, hey, you little snotty-nosed kid. He doesn't need to be, he doesn't need, wipe your nose if you're going to get near him. You know what I'm saying? He hangs out with the lepers is enough. You don't need to be a little snotty-nosed kid hanging out in his lap. They're telling him, get, get away from him, get away from him. Same thing could be here. Whenever you're trying to move forward in the things of God, there will always, there will almost, I'll say almost, there will almost always be people trying to shut you up, and that includes people in the church. Almost always. I'm telling you this right up front. Good, godly, but misguided people telling you to stop, to be quiet, you have, a, you have a, this thought in your heart and your, God is placed in your heart and you start to share it and it's like, oh, no, you know, they'll tell you all the reasons it can't be done. See, we miss out on God's blessing. We miss out on, on God's healing because we let other people, say let. All right, I'm going to say it again. We let other people, say the word let. Okay, we let other people stop us from receiving from God, okay? We let other people silence our vision, 
silence our dreams, silence our faith, silence our hopes. We let other people do that to us. We let them water down the expectations that we have of God for what he can do in our lives. We let them do that to us. And so then we pray these weak, mediocre prayers and wonder why God is not doing something amazing in our lives. You walk up to someone and say, you know, I feel like God has called me to do this or start this. And here's my vision. And here's what I'd like to see, I'd like to see happening. God's kind of placed in my heart. And you're like, hey, no, no, listen, Doug, lower your expectations. Don't be silly. Can you imagine Doug or John or whoever want to do something like that? Let's not get carried away, they'll tell you. Don't be a pipe dreamer. What a pipe dreamer is a lot of the time, I, I, I've, I've learned. Um, you're a pipe dreamer, and then when you actually get it accomplished, you're a visionary. Okay? Then you're a visionary. All these people love to read all these amazing books about these giants in the faith, whether it's in the past or in the present. But then the person sitting right next to you has a vision from God, has a dream from God, and you kind of, <laughs> don't get carried away. You couldn't raise that much money for that organization. You couldn't. That's not good. And, and they slowly kind of give you that negative vibe. And so you start, to, you start to numb and dumb down what God actually told you to do. You start to, you start to kind of shrink back because you don't want to look like, oh, they're laughing at me. So I, maybe... Maybe I didn't hear from God. Maybe I'm hearing from Pete instead. So we, we pray these weak, mediocre prayers and we ask, well, God, why aren't you moving in my life? You know, the only people that should be quiet, the only people that, excuse me, should shut up are the people who are telling us it can't be done. The people telling us that why are you having those dreams? The people who are, who are saying it's impossible. The only people who should be quiet. If someone's saying something, the only thing you should say to a person who says, I, I feel like God is leading me to do this, ask them good questions. Well, how can I help? And have you thought about this? And have you thought about that? And have you, have you tried this? And maybe you should talk to that person. Those are the things. Keep them moving. I mean, fan the flames, man. Fan the flames. Don't tell them, oh, that's impossible. When I want to start back-to-back ministries, first phone call ever when I had the idea, when I, God gave me the, the vision to start back-to-back, I called the person up. Literally, this is what happened. Uh, ring, ring, ring. Uh, hey, uh, so-and-so. Uh, here's what I would like to do, and here's what I want to do. And the person said, well, that's impossible. So I took the phone away. I just Exactly what happened. I took the phone away. I took a deep breath and I said, I didn't ask you if it was impossible. I said, this is what I'm going to do. How do I do it? And after that, they said, oh, maybe you can try this and maybe you can do that and blah, blah, blah. And now there's people all over the world doing amazing things because I didn't listen to some knucklehead who told me it was impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. With God, all things are possible. If God wants you to do it, you're going to be able to do it. And we don't see miracles in our lives because we're believing the peanut gallery instead of God. We're believing the people who are naysayers instead of God. We're being discouraged instead of listening to the Holy Spirit and surrounding us with people. Let me tell you something about vision. Okay, example, aquaponics. Maybe you're sick of aquaponics. I'm not. Here's what happened. Aquaponics, fish farming, blah, blah, blah. Aquaponics is aquaculture, which is fish farming, and hydroponics, which is growing plants in a water medium. So I'm sitting there driving. We're going through Disney, and uh, we go through the land. Remember the land? You, you ever been to the land in Disney? And they have that. You go to the back in a little boat, and it shows you what they're going to do in the future and all that kind of thing. And I, one thing that stuck out to me for years was aquaponics. So I was online, and I said, I, on my Facebook page, I said, hey, could someone write an article on aquaponics? Someone said, Hey, yeah, I'd like to do that. I don't know what it is, but I'll write. I, I like writing. I like writing, they said. So I'll write an, aqua, uh, an article on aquaponics. So they did, and we put it on the website. 
two other people. One is an art, one is a, uh, an engineer, and one is a landscaper. And a couple other people got together and said, hey, this is some things I can do. I've heard of aquaponics, and I, I'd like to try that. So they actually start putting aquaponics systems together. And someone else says, you know, the bank and uh, fluorescent greenhouse say, hey, why don't you do it in our, in our fluorescent greenhouse thing? We'll do it in February. So last February, they set it up in there, and they get it going. And, it, and, we, and the plants are growing and the fish are growing. We put one back in our children's area. We get a lot of different people talking about it. So we, 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 uh, we, we in uh, Xavier University here in Cincinnati, we uh, won a contest with Xavier University. They're going to build a business. Their business department is going to come around and build a business plan around aquaponics so we can build a commercial aquaponics system that will actually generate income. And our vision is to put an aquaponics system in every one of the orphanages we work with around the world so they have, they have consistent protein and consistent vitamins through the fish and the plants. And they can also generate income. So now the Xavier University is going to align with us and build the aquaponics system. And I'm sitting there scratching my head a year and a half ago. I, I like aquaponics. I have no idea how to do it. You talk. You share. God says, hey, I want you to do this. You don't say, well, I don't, well, Lord, what do I know about aquaponics? You say, yes, Lord. Say that with me. Yes, Lord. No, say, man, seriously. No, seriously. Okay? God asks you to do something. What do you say? Yes, it doesn't matter if you know how to do it or not. Just start talking. I've made a living out of opening my mouth and watching things come to existence. What do I know about aquaponics? All I know now is Xavier University is going to come around to people who do know about, about aquaponics. And we may, have aquapon- we may build one in March, in our trip in March, for a back-to-back trip to Monterey, Mexico. I'm going to see if we can build one, if we can pull this off, build one, start building one in one of the, one of the orphanages there, one of the children's homes there. Together we can do that. We've got to talk. God says to do something, you say, yes, Lord. You, 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 you just forget about the, the peanut gallery. You forget about the peanut gallery. The only people who should be quiet are the people who tell you something's impossible. What would happen? What would have happened if David, when he's, when he's about to face Goliath, okay, when he's talking about he's talking about facing Goliath, what would have happened if he'd have listened to the peanut gallery? Noah. Oh, what a fool. What an idiot. What a, what a dope. Look at this guy doing what God's called him to do. But I'm still reading about him. How many people do you think that God has called out to do amazing things in their lives, but because they listen to those people whose hearts are filled with fear, okay? How many people didn't do it because they listened to the people whose hearts were filled with fear instead of listening to God? How many of those people do you think have missed out on, their, on, on what God had called them to do because they listened to others instead of God? You know, we're never going to know because we're never going to read about them and we're never going to hear about them. But I'm telling you, there are millions, billions, okay, that God has put something on their heart and other people have told them, uh, and I'll tell you why they tell them too. I'll tell you why they, I'll tell, this is, I'm talking to Christians, okay? I'll tell you why Christians tell other Christians not, it's impossible, don't do it. Because when you're sitting around not doing anything and someone else starts to run, you look bad. Someone else starts to get excited about their faith. Someone else starts to do something incredible for God. And all those people don't want to run or don't want to do anything. They're sitting around going, man, man, you're making us look bad. You're making, oh, just slow down. Don't get carried away. You're being a fanatic. Of course I'm being a fanatic. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. It's in the job description to be a fanatic. Of course I'm going to believe what God calls me to do. Do not listen to them. Don't listen to them. 
Proverbs 24.16 says, The righteous man may fall seven times but rise again. Okay? But the wicked man shall fall once and lay down. Don't listen to fools. You've got to be relentless. You've got to keep asking. You've got to keep knocking. The only way Bartimaeus could get to Jesus and get his attention was through persistence. He was, a blind, he was blind. He was a beggar. He lived in an accursed place. His family was all messed up. But because he refused to listen to the can't committee, because, because he refused to listen to those who say everything's impossible, he received the blessing. He received a healing in his life. He experienced miracle, a miracle in his life that transformed him he received sight imagine i mean imagine if you could if, if there was a chapter like here and it said you know mark you know you know b or something and you could go back and then watch what bartimaeus did with the rest of his life can you imagine the lives that were completely transformed by bartimaeus because he had the faith to step out and say i'm not listening to the can't committee I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And his life was totally transformed. I don't know about you, but I want to receive a miracle. I want to receive multiple miracles. I want to keep talking and keep crying out and keep being persistent and keep being relentless and receive all that God has for me. I want to cry out until I have no more breath left in my lungs to cry out. Because I want it all. I want it all. I don't just want to read about people who walk through the sea. I want to experience it. I don't want to just read about people who got a chance to walk on the water. I want to experience it. I don't just want to hear about the guys who stood up against the lions and faced all these incredible odds. I don't just want to read about them. I want to live that experience in my own life. I want to live that experience. Christianity is not some game that you kind of come to church and play. It's an experience that we have with God. And just because you're not written in the Bible doesn't mean that God doesn't have an amazing plan for your life. And together, 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 we can do amazing things. Things that you would never imagine. We're going. This is, these things are a fact waiting to happen. We are going to do these things. We are going to transform our community, our world. We are going to do those things together. I believe that with all my heart. And I won't shrink back. And I won't hold back. And I won't say things that are less, that it's maybe more easy for people to kind of receive. I'm telling you that God is going to do things in this church that will boggle your mind. Boggle your mind. And you are going to be a part of that because God has given you strengths and abilities to do it. The third truth we need to follow is to throw off. We need to throw off the things that are hindering us from doing what God has called us to do. Throw them off. Verse 50 says, he threw his cloak aside. In Jesus' day, in the Middle East, and also today, beggars wore what was called a camel's tunic. And the camel's tunic was, uh, was made of camel hair, and it would, keep people, it would keep people from getting really hot in the summer with the hot, uh, the, the, the hot sun. It would keep them from getting really burned up, and it also was good for keeping you, um, uh, when it was raining, keeping you dry. So you had this, camel, this camel's tunic. So when they told Bartimaeus in verse 49, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. The first thing he did was to throw off the camel's tunic. He threw it off. He kind of laid it aside. And I was thinking about this. If you, want to, if, you want to, if you really want to see Jesus work in your life, you need to throw off the outer layers of the things that are holding you back from becoming the person that God has created you to be. 
Jesus wants to, Jesus wants to do things in your life. And, and the word of God, the Holy Spirit saying, he's calling you. Get up, man, get up. Be excited, get cheer. And the first thing Bartimaeus does is throw his camel tunic off. Throws that cloak off. God is saying, throw it off. Whatever it is that is hindering you from becoming the person that God has created you to be, from receiving that miracle, throw it off. Throw it off. Throw it off. Get rid of it. The reason that so many of you won't throw it off is because, you know, you, you built up these walls. You built all these walls up. You're kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're a Christian and you love Jesus Christ, but you've been so beat up in the past that you're just, you're just on the defensive. You're hoping nothing bad, nothing bad happens to you like happened in the past. That's your, that's your game plan. That Jesus is part of your life and you're hoping that nothing as bad as happened before now happens to you. So you're on the defensive. And you're saying, well, I don't, I don't see miracles in my life. Well, if you've got a wall around, you can't even see over your wall. There's miracles happening all around you, right outside your gate. But you can't see that because you're not looking. You're not being vulnerable. You want to see God do amazing things in your life, become more vulnerable. You've got to open up. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Take the bricks, okay? Close your eyes for a second. All the bricks you built up, all the wall you built up around, you've got to knock it down. You've got to knock it down. You've got to knock that down. See, if you want to see miracles in your life, you're going to have to take a risk. I'm going to tell you guys something. Your life would be great. Your life could be amazing if you'd actually live it. Your life could be incredible if you'd actually start living it. There's a difference between existence and living. And God's saying, I don't want you to exist. I want you to live. Knock down those self-imposed walls that are keeping you from experiencing all that God has for you. As we close, I want to share a story that I absolutely love. It's in Mark chapter 5. It's about the woman had this bleeding problem, this consistent bleeding problem. It's Mark chapter 5, verses 25 um, through 34. It says, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet yet instead of getting better, she got worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Listen, Listen to this faith. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she, she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowded against you? His disciples answered, And yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. My friends, that is the kind of faith that we need to see in the church to have revival. You know what I'm talking about here? She had so much faith, she's thinking, all I need to do is not do this and this. All I need to do is touch him. All I need to do is get near him and touch him, and I'm going to be healed. That's the kind of faith. 
I want to encourage you. I know you, we're, I'm not sure where you are spiritually, but that's where we're going. And that is the kind of faith we need in the church to see revival. That is the kind of faith we need to see in the church to see the lost come to Christ. That is the kind of faith we need to see in the church to, to, to see people be transformed and to overcome their addictive habits. That's the kind of faith we need to see in a church, in the church. That's the kind of faith our children need to see in the church in order to keep them from following after the world. They don't need to see some mediocre, lame Christianity that has no power to it. That's the problem. Let me tell you something. If you're a young person here, junior high, high school or younger, okay, do not look around at the people and say, oh, look at you Christians here, these people there, whatever else. You know what? See, Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I am not Paul and I'm not claiming any greatness or whatever else, but I am saying this. You want to at least judge a living person? Judge me by being boring or mediocre, by not stepping out in faith and trying things that basically leave you scarred, okay? Don't, don't judge the person that's easy to judge. Well, I've heard, look at those Christians not doing anything. You come to this church and you say we're not doing anything. We're not trying to make a difference in the world. We're not trying to transform lives. You want to see your children not go the way of the world? You need to live in power. That's the kind of faith they need to see in the church in order for them to say, why would I go chase after these knuckleheads over here and the boring lives they're living when I can go and come into the body of Christ and do things I had never experienced before, that I'm not being offered anywhere else? That is the kind of faith we need to see in the church, to see poverty eliminated in our city. The kind of faith we need to see in the church to see marriages and families restored. The kind of faith we need to see in the church to see miracles, miracles happen in our lives. Get it? Good. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. And thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together as the body of Christ and to, and to be encouraged by your word. Thank you for Bartimaeus and his faith that he would step out in faith without fear, not listening to the peanut gallery, not worrying about his past and what he doesn't have, but focusing on his strengths. And Father, a willingness just to follow after you, to throw off all the things that hinder him, that have been holding him back, to throw those things off, Lord God, and say, I am going to be vulnerable. I'm going to open myself up. Forget the, the pain of the past. I'm walking forward, and I'm going to put on the armor of God and know that God is going to strengthen and protect me as I fulfill every part of the life that God has given to me. God, I pray as I hold my hand up over every single person here, that you would turn this church of individuals into giant killers. Fearless, regardless how old they are, the youngest to the oldest. Lord God, I pray that you would turn them into giant killers. Fearless giant killers who don't listen to anyone but your voice and fulfill all that you have for them. And in that process, fulfilling all that you have for us as a church. And we pray these things in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday.